Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt Talks Gaming Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be breaking our unofficial hiatus by going over the year in games. We'll talk about what we played, what we missed, and what trends shaped the gaming community over the past year. I'm Luke Ford, and joining me once again, as always, for Don't Call It a Comeback, Matt Moody. Hello. Alright, so we're back <laughs> from our unofficial... It was official for a while. It wasn't announced, uh, because we both were like... So what happened is, this hurricane came through and destroyed both of our homes. Uh, yes. And we lost power for about three months, but we're good now. We're... Everything is... We replaced everything with exact replicas of all of our old belongings... Our houses have been rebuilt. We're good to go. Yeah, it's the episode of Archer where the office b- burns down and uh, they replace all of it with exact one-to-one replicas of everything in the office. Wow, that's a serious trope. They do that in Community and neither of those are the example that inspired that. And I can't even remember what the third one is now. But uh, yeah, so we're just recording this under a tarpaulin near a uh, bridge and uh oh it's a pretty good spot yeah you know there's a, a breeze coming through meet no. great people under bridges <laughs> but in all seriousness we're uh a lot happened in our personal lives and our professional lives and our spiritual lives maybe i don't know mostly just personal and professional yeah but uh <laughs> we're back we never went anywhere uh salt is with you wherever you go at least hey i have table. not spent one day without my salt level shooting through the roof that's true so <laughs> is any game in particular making you do that Matt? oh league, league of legends for oh. sure and always forever i tried so hard to get gold uh and the season ended and i was not gold oh so now you're just a dirty silver yeah player. pretty much i i do oq'd with the wrong person we lost like nine games in a row together, and then I played on my own and won like four games in a row, but it was too late. The damage was done. What else have you been playing? I uh, played RuneScape a little bit. I've been pretty off it, um, but it's still nice if I'm like watching a movie or something. I just throw it on the side because it'll still take years for me to max, and that's okay. Um, I purchased Skyrim Remastered, which is the fourth time that i have purchased skyrim i believe but amazingly i had never purchased the dlc before um i started playing it on my 360 but it was not very great in the performance department and then it locked up and crashed in the middle of my gameplay so i angrily got on my xbox this was like right after thanksgiving on my xbox one checked the store and it was on black friday sale for 20 bucks um i it had all the dlc with it it was the hd remaster which is really pretty um they didn't do a lot to change like the graphics engine obviously but they recolored everything and it's much more vibrant hmm. which adds really adds a lot all of the colors are so much richer it really helps to immerse you in the environment a little bit more and tvs have just increased so much yeah. like in quality from the time that skyrim first came out very true you guys uh, i don't know my old tv used to be somewhere but it was tiny and not that good it's in our it's in our bedroom okay so. yeah uh now i have like a nice big one the skyrim experience has definitely improved the dlc i mean if i wanted to get into a long review process i could talk about it but overall i was satisfied with all the dlc the house dlc being probably the most lackluster but only because they missed some really key features (laughs) like the display cases don't work yeah but it was still fun building the houses and playing skyrim again and the only other um game that i have played recently with any with barely any intent but a little bit of intent i got a new phone so i downloaded pokemon go Mm. Uh, opened it up there was all kinds of new stuff going on with raids and we're on like three generations of pokemon now they're into the ruby and sapphire generation Hmm. but i got an ad i got a push notification i have a verizon phone 
I got a push notification that said like, oh, we've partnered with Sprint. If you get a Sprint phone, you get a thousand free Poke coins. Hey. Uh, and I almost uninstalled the app on the spot. <laughs> I mean, you got to get those bucks wherever you can. Nowadays. They got plenty of my bucks, and then their game was bad, so I stopped giving them money. But that's my rant. <laughs> what have you been playing? Uh, well, I mean, how far back do you want to go? I played Cuphead. I played uh, in recent, like, since we've last done it, uh, done the podcast. I played Cuphead. I played um, some more games on the Switch uh, at work, which is cool to say. Ooh. My job had an event with a, um, uh, what's that called? Like, arcade bus. So they nice. had a bunch of stuff. So I got to play around with the Switch for a couple hours and uh, play, like, Mario Kart and Breath of the Wild and 1-2-Switch. I uh, did play some Mario Odyssey. Yeah, didn't get a chance to play Mario. That was before Mario Odyssey came out. Um, what else? I played um, the Monster Hunter World demo. Did you? For PS4. And um, I didn't get into the beta, but people I've been watching people play Magic the Gathering Arena, which is their new like Hearthstone answer, which okay. is okay. I mean, it doesn't do anything. It's like definitely like a tiered experience where it's like if you're serious about playing that um magic online or paper magic is still for you and then mtg arena is just like their replacement for duels of the planeswalkers which was the xbox and ps4 and steam uh game that's a little simpler but mtg arena is basically duels of the planeswalkers with my microtransactions so it's just like a update to the so it's every other game yeah they it's just magic getting into that arena selling pixels yes well i mean literally magic online used to be called magic online with digital objects and it was released in 2002 so they were way ahead of the curve on selling you <laughs> uh you know scarce digital resources way before bitcoin yeah uh now we are a lot of our news of the week is our main topic uh, in our review in ga- uh, year in games review we don't want to say game of the year necessarily because there's a lot of games this year but uh any like off the wall or offbeat news stories that caught your eye no not in particular i focused a lot more on what i'm hoping we can do at the end of this which is talk a little bit about games that are going to be coming in 2018 for sure yeah. because it looks like a really good year for games a lot of it was both our topic and our the second half of the topic is definitely what the game awards on vh1 or whatever spike tv spike does that exist anymore they were on spike last year i don't know what anyway the game awards a lot of that is both looking back at the year and all the trailers like which we'll get into like death stranding and all that stuff was uh shown there but as far as um uh news that i saw there is a story of a person who invented a fake coffee shop to scam free games from developers (laughs) and he used um different uh he used the image and likeness of an existing coffee shop (coughs) excuse me in the ukraine and but he made it rebranded it to be like a gaming cafe so that developers would send him codes so that he could (laughs) have it in his you know like they would get advertising he put it in there yeah in his gaming cafe but there was no cafe he just got the codes so i thought (coughs) that's a good uh good good action right there i think that's a really good segue into um some news i have which is that i have purchased a coffee shop oh yeah and uh, any developers who want to send you codes yes absolutely other news (coughs) excuse me uh other news is that sony's bringing back medieval for ps4 really so in the in the great tradition of crash bandicoot other ps1 uh, classics such as Medieval are coming back. It has a visual overhaul, 4K support, and I imagine some uh, mechanical upgrades as well. I feel like I speak for everyone when I say we, we just want to hear about Spyro. Yeah, when, I mean, Spyro doesn't need to have a remaster because they have Skylanders. And they should... Yeah, I guess. A lot of these old IPs are just like, they've been dead for 20 years and ready to get some new life breathed into them. I loved Spyro. Other news, uh, the iMac Pro, which was just um, announced, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry, announced and released in Apple fashion where they announce it one day, release it the next day, Yeah. um, where it is the most expensive Apple computer in history, 
starting at over five thousand dollars and the top spec machine costs over thirteen thousand dollars that may not be the most expensive apple computer ever released which would be the most expensive so back in what 2010 2009 2010 it was like my last year in high school and they announced their i think it was apple pro mac pro it was the mac pro is the one that looked like darth vader yeah yeah um my friend and i went to the apple website and built like the max possible spec mac pro and it was like almost twenty thousand (laughs) dollars yeah i mean that might i'm sure that that like I am sure that your number didn't include things that we included, like three extra six terabyte hard drives and stuff like that. Yeah, this one says the eight core dual GPU Mac Pro of this year is four thousand dollars. Yeah, that's still a lot. I think you could clock in at like twenty five hundred ish on a base model, even when we built that absurd one. Yeah, the iMac Pro is new, and I'm on Apple's website now, and it <clears> plays <throat> seven whole games. <laughs> Sorry, my Tommy was so. No, that's. I mean, I love. Uh, I love Mac products for mobile. I have an iPhone. I have an iPad. I have a MacBook Air, although it was kind of just a hand me down. Um, mm. They just. They're not great for gaming, and and I prefer Windows on my desktop. So I'm maxing it out right now. Oh, the other thing is that you can include pre-installed software. That would also. Oh yeah, price. we may have done that just. To, to see, see how that. high we could get it. Yeah. Uh, without any included software, it's um, 11.4. That's still... Yeah. I built my <laughs> PC for a tenth of that, and it's been going strong for years, and I've yet to find a game I can't play. Yeah, well, also, it's like there's very few people who need to max out every single... Even if even if you're willing to spend $5,000 on the newest Mac, and you need a couple more things, it's like one of the options are $2,500 extra dollars for 128 gigabytes of ddr4 memory yeah totally like. unnecessary for <laughs> anyone ever yeah unless you're launching a satellite into space or something like that yeah i mean like maybe it has merit to be a server of some kind or to be a host machine for a bunch of vms but you can still build that cheaper yeah but other news um Uh, just the stuff like I mentioned from the video game awards, Soul Calibur Six, Bayonetta and Bayonetta Two on Switch, Bayonetta Three Switch exclusive, Death Stranding, uh, more trailers and um, uh, light gameplay footage, like wasn't, game footage. Wasn't least. there some kind of like small thing about microtransactions and? battlefront since we last did an episode or am i just yeah, imagining well, we're that we're gonna get to that in, in particular <laughs> but one of the things that the uh game awards uh, that i want to talk about was a way out director uh who is pretty famous now joseph ferris ferris fairies the only joseph i know these days is joe star oh yes <laughs> uh <clears throat> no but uh joseph ferris who also did um he's a film director uh, who uh, produced movies such as uh, Cops with a K, Jala Jala, Zozo, Balls, and Leo. But he got into game development with um, A Way Out, which is a new game from EA uh, that it's a multi, a, a couch multiplayer co-op experience. The game is only in split screen and you need two controllers to play it. Well, so, I'm out. It's a pretty cool concept. But yes, on during the game awards, he they're gonna ask him about a way out to talk about it. And he just basically said, you know, FEA, f microtransactions, games industry is BS. Everyone's an idiot, and you all are terrible. I mean, I kind of agree with that. There's <laughs> alongside the Battlefront issues that we'll get to. RuneScape has had a bad year for microtransactions as well. Yeah. So uh, while we're talking about the. Uh, games over the course of the year let's talk about the different games that shaped 2017 and just kind of our impressions of each of them just going down the line here so game of the year 
I think the game awards do it a little better, like the Oscars, where there is still a movie of the year, there is still a game of the year because that sells tickets, right? Like that, yeah. that puts eyes on the screen. You want to have that, but they offer awards for a bunch of different things. Sure. And that's not even even that's not the best way because it's like a game that has the you know the most technically amazing graphics, but that's just like you know shoot shooting simulator seven. It's like that doesn't really do a lot for me yeah it, that's like the mac pro example that we just gave like yeah you can make an eleven thousand dollar computer but that doesn't make it any more useful to me yeah you can make another call of duty game that costs eighty dollars but i still have the disc for call of duty 4 which was objectively better yeah and it's probably. like even if it just has the best graphics i've ever made it's like well that's that should get something but that doesn't mean it's like the game of the year or better than any other game so we're just gonna look at not any one best game or even best games in a category but which games and trends uh through the game shape the year so oh i disagree uh there's a clear game of the year oh and that's our first one on the <laughs> list legend of zelda breath of the wild i cannot possibly overhype this game from my perspective i loved breath of the wild so much everything about it just felt fresh super purposeful i felt like they had a really cohesive vision across the design team through different parts of the game that pulled things together in just a much nicer way than a lot of games yeah and for sure it's interesting to see that something like game um legend of zelda and nintendo you know like when i thought who is gonna perfect like the open world formula nintendo was not the no the studio or publisher first on my mind no and and zelda would not have been the game yeah either i probably would have assumed mario but there are also other properties that might lend themselves better to open world and then we have zelda which is just like graphically beautiful just stunning to look at even on my wii u which is what i played it on yeah but especially on the switch for sure i'm i am sure <laughs> i haven't actually even seen it on the switch but graphically it was awesome some of the mechanics that they brought really... So I've been playing Skyrim a lot. Yeah. Um, I played a lot of Breath of the Wild early in the year and a lot of Skyrim late in the year. Skyrim obviously is an older game. A lot of things in Breath of the Wild kind of call back to Skyrim in some ways because Skyrim set the standard uh, when it came out. But things like inventory management, it's so bloated these days. Um, even in Skyrim, like I have three houses and a hundred containers and I still can't properly manage my things. There's, I, I really, I can't keep track of everything that I have. And even if I get it down to like, okay, I'm going to put all of my necklaces in this place or whatever. Like, I don't remember if I have a necklace for smithing or a necklace for enchanting or all of these different like buffs. And I mean, I practically feel like I have to make some kind of a SQL database <laughs> or access database or something on my computer just to track my inventory. Whereas Breath of the Wild just says, oh, your stuff breaks. Yeah, that's one way to manage your inventory is just if you don't, if you use it, it goes away. Yeah, um, which I was, <coughs> I, if you listened back when the game came out initially, a little bit hesitant. I didn't really understand that choice because early in the game, it feels very limiting. Um, but as the game goes on, it just really opens up so much depth of play that you never, you don't have to really worry about it. Yeah, and it prevents something like dominant strategy from. Yeah. Even though there is the master sword, which, which is, is not the best. But th yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like even with the master sword that doesn't break or whatever, there's still this like push to always have you constantly adapting to your environment. Yeah, and I I think that that. I feel like they did a lot more with a lot less than most RPGs. Yeah. Uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, definitely, apparently, the clear <laughs> game of the year as uh, far as looking at which game is on the most people's radars, the most people's lists, the most people's, the most talked about, the most buzzed. Um, <clears throat> but also fitting into the uh, scheme of something else in 2017, which is that the game is is shipped without being complete and what i mean by that is the dlc didn't seem to it didn't seem to fit into the mold of normal dlc in that you had to spend twenty dollars and you didn't get the other half of it until like a month or two ago whatever the other half of the dlc came out yeah i um my wii u was broken yeah so I don't know anything about the DLC, unfortunately, other than a couple things that I've read. 
But I did appreciate that at least we got a full game at launch. Well, you got a full game, but there's a lot of features that w- literally could have been in, in the main game. Uh, or at least unlocked, like either in it from the beginning or at least unlocked when you beat the main storyline. Like there was a heat map feature yeah, where it showed everywhere you have already been. So it doesn't necess- it's not like Fable where it is guiding you to the next yeah. area. But it at least shows you it's like, I don't want to walk in circles. So it's like, I know I've been there because my footsteps are there or whatever um and like that is obviously was tracking your progress even before even if you never buy the dlc it's still tracking your progress you have to pay to unlock it though and then the the challenge mode and like the challenge dungeons like that would have been part of a a, you know if it came out on and not that it could have but if it came out in a uh, era when not every console was internet connected like gamecube or whatever um Although, on the flip side, um, Ocarina of Time Master Quest didn't come out for an entire console generation. That's true, but I think that this is... I don't know how much of that was produced after the original game was released versus... In development and then just delayed purposely. Yeah, I think that that's the the interesting part. It's like, clearly they had, like, developing the DLC was in the budget for this game. It wasn't... Yeah. Yeah, so it's like... That's where the difference is, at least in 2017, as opposed to previous years. And that's a trend that we've been seeing over and over again. It's in Destiny 2. It's in... Um, even as far back as, like, Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. Or that, Borderlands. That, yeah, even during... Even in the game at launch, it is uh, implied that to get the full experience, you have to buy the DLC. And maybe that's just the sign that, you know, games have been $50. They're $50 for a long time. They've been $60 for a while. Maybe they just need to be 65 or 70 or 80 dollars i i i struggle with that i know that games are expensive to make but from the vantage of a consumer i like you struggle to get all if i got every game that came out that i wanted to play i would never have money or time to play all of them so that's actually going to lead to my next we'll get to this the other half of this but the idea is that certain games have come out in 2017 that are less than $60 that are also on our list yes. and provide a different and unique and full experience for less than that. So maybe the AAA games need to go up and, you know, the indie or indie plus games can fill in those gaps. So you're still spending the same on average. I disagree. I don't really see that as valuable. I think that what needs to happen is that, gigantic corporations need to understand um you can only deliver so many reasonably successful triple a titles in a period of time i mean let's talk about triple a who's triple a nintendo nintendo is triple a maybe not in the most traditional sense but zelda yeah zelda is a cornerstone franchise of gaming every i any zelda game is going to sell better than any other game of the same variety i mean it possibly possibly that's true although not not totally the original point that i was looking at so yes zelda has an inherent popularity but i don't know that skyward sword did nearly as well as breath of the wild Mm. i don't think that it did i don't think that um the minish cap and the mobile platform zelda games have done particularly well i think that they do fairly well in their markets but breath of the wild did well by the numbers yeah both compared to other games (laughs) fan and critic favorite which is obviously what you uh, yes. look usually is one or the other especially for these triple a games yeah. so it's totally possible but nintendo's not pushing out new zelda every year because they made good money off of the good one that they made. no yeah nintendo is is a special case and that's why people are so much more nintendo fanboys than any other publisher fanboys because it seems i mean i don't it's definitely not true nintendo is just as much in it for the money as everyone else but it seems like i don't know that that is true the decisions they make are more on this like design or philosophical like element than other studios i mean i think they are in it for the money it is a, a profit driven business because they all are um my basic understanding is that the japanese philosophy towards like work creation and business and business is just different yeah i Um, i think that's probably a bigger so you just end up with what i feel is a more genuine product where these people are 
it is understood that okay you guys are going to make us a good game here's your budget yeah and think of all the game developers that you know that are respected it's like they're all the game design the like actual game designers and directors that, that i've you, heard of that you know by name who are respected and they're all japanese all the ones that uh, you gabe newell oh gabe newell <laughs> todd howard uh um, that's it uh no i had the uh, peter molyneux the fable he also going back to fable never liked the fable game exactly to be honest so, with but you. that's the thing like all of the american <laughs> ones that you can or the western ones that you can name are like not thought of in the same light as shigeru mimoto um uh Ko- kojimo uh kojimo whoa excuse me kojima yeah uh and uh um yokotaro which we're gonna get to in a second the director of near automata yeah uh, so speaking of that, uh, <laughs> the other game that shaped 2017, and this is a little biased on my part, the, the actual answer, it would probably, in this space, for what the reason I'm going to say, is Persona 5. Okay. But I did not play Personas. I know you don't have to play the whole Shin Megami Tensei plus Persona 1, 2, 3, and 4 to get Persona 5. Yeah. But I didn't even, they say to at least, you know, like the storyline and like the concepts are relevant in three and four and i never played persona three and four um so i really i i didn't really i didn't play persona five and i didn't really see the appeal of it but i know that it is a much more uh critically acclaimed and fan uh beloved game than near automata but near automata has the same element which i think is that you know it those two games in particular still keep me hopeful (laughs) <laughs> for like games as a, a medium of expression or like a medium of like um what's the like a you know like cinema or like um art books or art yeah like that they're actually interact like as far as you know games are a lot of things one of the things games are are interactive narratives and i think sure. that near and persona in this year are the two games that you know of all the games that had stories those are the two games that had legitimate interesting storylines that anyone outside of the game's world can appreciate okay and near automata in particular because it is a story that can only be told through a game like persona yes like so much of the mechanics are unique and you couldn't like have a story be told in that way outside of it like it relies on you like checking in with people all the time like you have to go talk to all your different classmates or whatever and like you build up the social links or whatever the mechanic is called um i know in the older persona games they're called social links it's like to get all the storyline and all the backstory and all the people on your side and whatever <clears throat> you have to constantly talk to them and stay updated and keep checking in on the game every day yeah and did it and spend 170 hours playing the game to beat it to perfection and it's like that's a really interesting thing that's also unique to games but the story is functionally the same as every it's like an anime story unlikely you know um precocious high school students with talents beyond their wildest imaginations defeat say nani a lot and defeat the (laughs) the biggest baddest you know demonic threat to existence or whatever sure uh and that's less interesting near i think had just a, a more interesting premise it was a spin-off of like it was related to this other game but it's really not related at all and like it it's in this world that it's not really in this world and it has all these themes and actually a lot of the themes that other people say like oh that's why it's deep or that's why it's interesting i think that's kind of just like bait for those people who like fall for that to get them interested enough to actually see what is deep and interesting about it so there's like like if i said full metal alchemist is a philosophical masterpiece because the last three episodes are pseudo intellectual exactly so like the pseudo intellectual (laughs) parts aren't that interesting to me i just think from a a, um a a narrative an interactive narrative way that there's multiple endings but and that exists you know like that's something that exists in games since um the original metroid on nintendo entertainment system right like zork (laughs) you know since the beginning of games there's been alternate endings or multiple endings but this is like the first game where i felt like the multiple endings are all like relevant and interact with one another and across each other and it's like that's just so in like once you beat once you get a certain ending you and you press new game it like starts you off 
as a different character oh, without wow. you choosing it. Like it just you are a different character now. Huh. And so it's just like and to Does uh, it do that if you just start a new game without having beaten it? Yes, there's also really crazy stuff like once you beat everything you get all the endings or even before you get all the endings. Once you beat the actual ending of the game, you have to you fly through these credits and like shoot the blocks. And you start getting options like in Galaga you get like people that help you. And what you can do is become one of the people that helps everyone else by deleting your save data. What? By losing all everything you've done in the game, you start back on, you know, ending A, you start back with nothing. And when you press new game, you have none of the other things unlocked. And you help someone else beat the game because they have to get through the credits. That's cool. That's a weird, like, interesting... Yeah, I mean, just, like, it's just, you know, it's not only... Like, I just felt like the, the game goes beyond the screen in that way. Yeah. And that's, oh, you know, especially nowadays, like, the, your save data doesn't mean as much. Like, remember playing um, Metal Gear Solid um, uh, when you face Psycho Mantis, and he's like, oh, so you're a fan of Castlevania. You know, it's like, it's reading your save data. And it's like, there's something scary about, like... Or, like, you play, playing without a memory card, if you remember oh. doing that. You know, it's like, save data nowadays just means nothing. Everything's auto-saved, backed yeah. up to the cloud. Like, I, you know, this that is... That, honestly, is what broke Skyrim <laughs> on the 360 and pushed me to the Xbox One. Yeah? Yeah, save data on the 360 was really awful to try and manage. So, it's just interesting that a game, like, reminds you that, yeah, you still have data. Like, it's still, <laughs> like, it's still just a file or whatever, which is just so far removed from the average gaming experience. Breath of the Wild reminded me of that when oh. I lost my save data. Yeah, Nintendo has a habit of, of not really, of still keeping with that, like, game, save file A, save file B, save file C. No, in this case, it was save 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and then my friend played for a little while, and it auto-saved five times, and my game was gone. Whoops. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, something similar. I don't remember the exact details because I can't boot that system anymore. But oh. um, but yeah, so Nier Automata, just a great, um, a great story and something that's, uh, uh, that uses the actual mechanics of playing a game to tell its story, which is really interesting. Um, the next thing on our list is probably a game that a lot of people have uh that are listening especially have played as player unknowns battlegrounds and all the uh controversy that it caused at the end of the year <laughs> whether it should be considered <laughs> as a game of the year because it's still in early access what early access means is it a real game is it this <laughs> is it that is it so good like da 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 like streaming uh i remember there was professional streamers who got in trouble because of player unknown battlegrounds and people getting banned and this and that seems like a great game again as a concept you know it's you know uh, battle royale hunger games is a great um setup to a experience we've all played games like that and read stories like that in the past this is just one that says that's all it is this is what it is now the end yeah um it's definitely a personal thing on me uh, I don't necessarily pass judgment on people who like the game or whatever. I've never enjoyed... Um, there's too many people. I've never enjoyed games with that many players. Even, like, old-school Halo Big team battle. Yeah, Halo 1 on the PC. Oh, we got this 32-man server going. No, that's too many people for Blood Gulch, man. I'm out. <laughs> like, I, I just can't. I've never really enjoyed it. Um, there's too much chaos. Battlefield, way back in the day was probably the only exception to that and really only because battlefield was a good game and there wasn't really a small map option at the time hmm. so should it be considered for game of the year it definitely is the game that people were talking about the most outside of legend of zelda i would say of all these or besides the next game on the list um uh, is definitely the most talked about maybe i mean honestly i'm, I'm suffering from i think a little bit of gamers fatigue hmm. with all the titles particularly in 2017 it wasn't um, a good year for the world, but it was a good year for games. I don't even know that I'd say it was a good year for games. Uh, Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, yes. Nier Automata, Persona 5, uh, and a couple others that we'll get to. I think this is a year that really, like, more so than last year and the year before have memorable titles. Maybe. Um, I'm, I'm looking at 2018 at this oh. point. Uh, that, that, to me, seems a little more exciting. And I don't know, just... I'm... 
you gotta bring something good to the table. There are so many games, and like something like PUBG to me, I've played it. You shoot things. There's a bunch of people. The map gets smaller. Yeah, it's one person. it's fine. It's fun if you're in a younger. <coughs> Excuse me. If you're like younger than me in a younger generation you haven't had as much experience with games like that i can see it i don't have anything against it or the battlefront or wolfenstein or or any of these other games we can talk about i just it's I, too much i think it's, there's so many games i have one years of, of backlog yeah one of the reasons i think it's so much more popular than even though other games have obviously had last man standing type yeah uh mechanics uh, Counter-Strike, Halo, Call of Duty, all of these, you know, Search and Destroy and Call of Duty is, is Such a good game type. Yeah, so all of these have last man standing things, but the advantage of PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds and Fortnite is as soon as you lose, literally the second you lose, you can say, join new game. Yeah. You don't need to wait to see who the winner is. You don't need to be dead and spectate. It's just game after game after game after game after game. And that's a really cool, you know, that's like why on you know for someone who plays magic i like single elimination draft i don't like swiss draft where you have to play three rounds even after you lose as soon as i lose i don't want to play anymore <laughs> like i don't want to like if my deck is bad i don't want to just keep losing like i'm like oh my deck's kind of bad i lost round one all right i'll join another draft you know it's like that's just the way that you know especially for uh games that are super competitive and have really bad feel bad moments to have to wait and see everyone else win after you lose is just like the worst yeah know? going out in the first being like the first death dying to a random grenade in search and destroy yeah and sitting through four minutes of some guy prone in the corner waiting to try and plant the bomb at yeah, the last second i guess i'll make a sandwich i don't know yeah <laughs> but uh yeah so player knows battlegrounds it has its ups its downs it's definitely a way that um you know, it's it's just going to be the new genre, I think. Like, Overwatch spawned so many um, shooters, like the casual casual competitive shooters. I think PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds is going to be the casual competitive deathmatch yeah. uh, uh, game type, or game genre. <clears throat> Next on the list, another game that caused a lot of controversy, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Even bigger sigh. <laughs> um, to me, like, just don't buy it. Yeah, I mean, it did break. It brought to the fore a lot of things that people were like, similar to other issues in the world today. Like the example I'm going to say, Star Wars Battlefront Two is basically like repealing net neutrality, uh, because people say, "Look, it's you know, these internet service providers like these game developers have slowly been building up and building up and building up their like grasp and their control over all the different ways we interact with media, whether it's in games or on the internet, and it's like." they're basically the final arbiters of how we experience it. So yeah. in the terms of net neutrality, once it's repealed, okay, the world's not over, you know, but it's only going to get worse from here. And I think um, letting loot boxes and loot crates, microtransactions be in games, it's like, well, it's not the worst in the world. Like, I don't need to, like, it's not pay to win. It's just skins, like League of Legends. It's not the end of the world. It's just extra items, like, counter-strike global offensive well now star wars battlefront 2 it's like no to get luke skywalker and darth vader you have to pay extra money and it's like whoa now like we've gone yeah. too far like what have we done but now you know you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube like now that microtransactions are here they're here to stay and it's only going to get worse in my opinion though yeah. i mean the united outcry of all the fans and and critics and reviewers uh it i mean something it means something and i think that uh companies like ea will think twice before doing something that extreme but that just means they're gonna have their sales team meet with their uh development team and figure out the way to slip microtransactions in without upsetting over 50 percent of the people yeah um i mean like i said you know battle i didn't think that the most recent battlefront remake was good no i played some of it yeah, I played the first one. I didn't um, even bother with the second one. Yeah, I didn't didn't have any aspersions to think that this was going to be a good game. And now you tell me you have to buy all the best characters. Like, all right, I just still won't buy the game. <laughs> have fun, EA. Hopefully that flops for you. Not only um, did I not see, or not only did I not play Star Wars Battlefront two, I didn't even see Star Wars Episode eight. Yeah, I have not seen the Last <laughs> Jedi yet. Although I have to burn some PTO, or I'm literally going to lose it. So maybe I'll go see it one day. <laughs> <laughs> get paid to see stuff um, but to touch on something i didn't even think about uh in the news recently 
net neutrality has been repealed by the Federal Communications Commission. That would have been a good news item. If that doesn't, if you don't feel that that affects you, or you don't feel that that's a big issue, uh, I'm not. I'm going to do my best to be a well reasoned <laughs> adult and just suggest that you do some more research and consider a little bit more about what this will mean for the ecosystem online because it is uh, disastrous in every way. And the only good argument that anyone typically posits is that it's expensive to provide services to all these big companies like Netflix and Google and ISPs have to upgrade their infrastructure. But let me tell you, we've been paying ISPs money for decades and that's all been going to executive salaries and marketing campaigns and PACs that influence our legislators to repeal net neutrality so that these ISPs can make more money. They've had the money to upgrade their infrastructure forever. When a competitor comes into a town like Google to roll out fiber, Verizon sues them. Comcast sues them. They say, Google, you can't put that service here. It's an actual government-sanctioned monopoly, and we're sanctioning it even further by giving the monopolistic groups all of the power. Yeah. Uh, And there it is. So that's your little miniature net neutrality uh speech because it does have to happen we are an internet podcast and and had we made an episode when it passed we might have made an entire episode about it yes that being said if xfinity or verizon wants to sponsor this podcast no no. (laughs) i have a line i've always said i'd sell out and i have a line now no uh on next on our list of a game that is you know the opposite of uh, speaking of, of doing deals with the devil uh cuphead is the next game on our list? I didn't actually get to play Cuphead. It's but really fun. It's the best. It's the best indie game. I did watch some time. videos and some streams. It's the best. It looks really awesome. The best game. I would. That, I would. That's totally my. Play that's it. the best game of 2017. I wish that were true. <laughs> it's. It's really. I mean, first of all, I love animation. Everyone. No, I. I don't really. I don't really. I mean, I watch. I don't really watch anime either. I have watched anime. Might I suggest JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? No, that's okay. <laughs> But I do love animation, um, and Cuphead is animation the game, and it's, you know, wonderful and beautiful, and it's funny, and it's, the gameplay is crisp, it's like, you know, my favorite game of all time is Mega Man X, and it reminds me of that, obviously they were heavily influenced by that, um, and the X series in general, it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, it's not as hard as people say, it's not as easy as people say, it is the appropriate difficulty for a game like that um it again it just you know it's very reminiscent of Mega Man, where Mega Man's not the hardest game ever but it's not easy Mega Man can be very difficult yeah but it's not like super meat boy or whatever and i don't think, i don't think cuphead's that hard either um the, the bosses just have patterns you'll die a lot but at, at least if you're bad like me but once you learn the pattern then you then you can play it an infinite number of times and never lose because yeah. you just know the pattern uh next on the list speaking of politics and controversial things wolfenstein 2 the new colossus we we were we talked about this game in previous episodes this was was before our hiatus and uh again i watched some videos and some streams you know you feel that curiosity seemed fine yeah i mean i brought it up more because of the whole you know we had an episode about killing nazis oh yeah um totally still support it yeah and you know of all the things that you could kill in video games you know grand theft auto causes a stir because you can um kill female sex workers and um uh manhunt causes a stir because you can or fallout 3 mods cause a stir because you can kill children or whatever the um you know all these things but of all the things that cause controversy in the gaming community killing nazis you wouldn't think would be one of them uh they're white guys in 2017 it is yeah nazis are white guys (laughs) let's honestly kind of ready to start calling it like it is like leadership in this country and a particular political faction in this country totally cool with sanctioning the deaths of children minorities yeah very many things but not white guys yeah so wolfenstein 2 <laughs> keep it up i love the ad campaign yeah for this game is very funny i loved watching people get outraged over it absolutely <laughs> and i mean if you want to talk about cornerstones in gaming wolfenstein has its place it, it's yeah. been around a long time i've played wolfenstein games my whole life yeah it's uh it's definitely you know it's just a dumb shooter but yeah. apparently it, you, the storyline is okay and uh um you know the outrage it caused i think I think it's interesting to keep politics out of my games that, you know, that is the it, argument of people who are just uncomfortable with politics or that have shitty politics. 
I find that they often are the same. Like, the argument, I just don't believe in government, is basically, uh, I, I don't understand this. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it makes me scared and afraid, so... Yeah, I don't really know how to do it, so I just want those tax dollars back, and, and we can all just fight, you yeah. know, with our fists in the streets. And it's also, in the wake of Gamergate, I felt like the gaming community had, like, this... It either went one of two ways, where you either needed to talk about it in the social justice way or be agnostic about it and now that one um a third way of talking about it where that games are the mirrors of the politics outside of them which is kind of what's happening in business and and um media with like these uh, women coming forward with their stories of sexual harassment where it's like well you know they um they're uh they're you know should could could should we still like so and so's movies because he did this or whatever oh. uh so it's like i feel like because those things are reflections of what's actually happening in the world and games are not um immune from that i yeah. think but a lot of men are afraid of that their position or that the people they like or that even themselves might get called out they want to keep all the any potential discussion about that out and i think wolfenstein with the um nazi politics yeah uh came in the same vein i mean i guess but they're nazis well yeah that, of all the people who like if you don't so deserve a safe space it's them but yeah, yeah and if like if you want to propagate the nazi ideology today you just need a shrink that's really all that it comes down to like you need to see a mental health professional and, and get some assistance with whatever you've got going on yeah <clears throat> um, anyway <laughs> and as far as for another tiny little mini rant as far as like appreciating something that someone created in spite of bad things that they did um i think that you totally still can i think that it's right to do so given certain context that it is a little bit situationally dependent like if you like that someone made a video where it looked like they were hitting a woman and it turns out they were hitting a woman all right you know that's gonna be an issue but personal anecdote uh my drama teacher from high school after i left high school was arrested and charged for having had a relationship prior to me being his student so it had been a little while in the past mm -hmm. um which confused me a lot at the time because i was like 19 um he still taught me the same way that he taught me it's a bad person yeah he's in jail right now and if i were to see him certainly that would be addressed in conversation at minimum you know there is definitely nothing okay with that that was a problem that is not something he should have done he is paying consequences for that but like he still taught me all the things he that he still taught me to state. not even necessarily that you know but i had a teacher that whole time who taught me different things about acting and in some ways about life and it doesn't invalidate that in the same way that johnny depp might be a bad person that hit his wife um the pirates of the caribbean movies are still funny and fun for kids well let's it's, not go that far but <laughs> it's just not you know it, it's not always like that um but definitely i am happy to see all of these powerful people falling um for having been terrible people yeah, yeah. the me too movement is the game of 2017 <laughs> for sure and uh speaking of me too uh senua in hellblade senua's sacrifice has also been through a lot um which is the thing I wanted to touch on, speaking of Legend of Zelda and these other AAA games being more than $60. Hellblade, Sinu's Sacrifice is only $40 mm -hmm. and provided, besides Nier and um, uh, Persona, one of the most, the richest, most interesting um, narrative experiences of 2017. So And for only 40 And for only $40. So I think it's really interesting, um, you know, about where these games you know double a games if we can call them that uh fit into um the market but as games continue to grow and expand and become a bigger part of the media landscape and everyone's lives these different sorts of games will become more and more common and i think that's a good thing giving people more options letting studios and developers and directors make the games they want to make um even if it you know they, they just want to make the game they don't need 10 million dollars to do it you know well depending on the game well, that's sometimes like, if they, they do if they have that vision <laughs> yeah then they need it but if it's like i just want to make a fun party game it doesn't need to be 60 dollars yeah i think 
I think if one good thing can be said, and I know we're not quite through the list, um, we have a couple honorable mentions, but I think if one good thing can be said about 2017, it's that at least in the instance of four of these games, Zelda, Nier Automata, PUBG, and Cuphead, I see kind of a return to simplicity. Um, and I see a return to purposeful games. Um, because I think that a lot of even like Final Fantasy 15 last year, which I kind of raved about and was fun. It was just, the, the interface was bloated. The gameplay was very complicated. Yeah, there's power creep in games, but there's also design creep. Yeah. You just get too much too over time. And I kind of feel like we have been seeing that. And I feel like a lot of the more popular games this year are more of a return to form from what I was used to in my childhood, which is games that um, that play with constraints. Yeah, I think is the best way to put it. I think adding constraints to your design and adding constraints to your gameplay um, ultimately improve the experience. I don't know as much about that on like PUBG and Cuphead, but like restrictions breed creativity. Zelda and Od- and Mario yeah. Odyssey in particular. PUBG as well. I mean, it was it's an early access game. Yeah, they released it incomplete and it's updated dozens of times since yeah. it was released already, and it doesn't even have a 1.0 yet. So yeah, I think that that also falls in to this sort of new i mean that's an extremely it's kind of like synthesizing the two where it's this extremely new form of game design where you're basically outsourcing your game design but yet it is just it's just iterating and refining that core mechanical concept of you start out with a map and 100 people and the map gets smaller and there becomes less and less people yeah um but yeah i think near returning to and riffing on a lot of just standard role-playing you know action action role-playing games uh legend of zelda um you know honing in on what does it mean like honing finding what an open like looking at the open world genre and saying what matters in the genre and let's only deliver that and like make that the best it can be uh persona 5 uh iterating on the uh you know this concept that's been around for five games you know yeah. it's not it's functionally the same game just with that looks nicer and has a smoother interface and uh, quality of life improvements cuphead is like i said basically Mega Man x yeah with more interesting graphics and our honorable mention super mario odyssey which Mar- mario 3d world with better <laughs> everything yeah um mario odyssey is a very fun game i didn't get to play a whole lot of it but i have a friend with a switch and yeah. he came to town I, I played it a little bit uh super fun it felt very fresh again you have this restriction like gone are 80 percent of the power-ups and abilities from the previous games and here's your hat you throw yeah see what all these different, it's like the flood in super mario uh sunshine yes which another excellent game yeah. <laughs> uh not as good as 64 but mario obviously always knocks it out of the park other uh, honorable mentions, Animal Crossing, again, I think that it finally, finally, finally came out on a mobile platform, and it should have been on mobile for as long as there's been mobile games. Yes, and it is a simpler version of Animal Crossing on other platforms. Yeah, so Animal Crossing, you know, punishes you for not checking on it every day, Ugh. but the phone is the kind of thing that you check every five minutes, so, you know, what a perfect game to be on that platform. Um, other honorable mentions night in the woods another indie game a lot of indie games on this list but it's just you know that seems to be the trend over the past i would say 10 years in games yeah and so triple a titles just become more and more forgettable and yeah similar and the other thing i want to talk about is games and movies combine combining intertwining copying each other but yeah so indie games are kind of like the last you know hold out of like true game design and night in the woods similar to cuphead takes a totally different graphical approach than most games and you know uh subverts its genre of cutesy indie game by like all the characters in it are talking about like really deep personal character flaws and things like that so another great game this year and my last honorable mention which i don't think is on anyone else's game of the year list is the unstable expansion to Magic the Gathering. <laughs> now, obviously, I've uh, we did Game of the Year list last year. Uh, we have a, a Magic the Gathering column exclusively, but it's it's interesting to think that these are really expansion sets to a core game. 
you know, that Magic the Gathering exists as this blob and there are expansion sets. And I think that the unstable expansion, which is their quote-unquote joke set, and it is really funny. They have cards that are um, references to things outside the game. There are cards that are references to existing cards. So there's like, um, <clears throat> uh, there's a card called Cryptic Command. And it's a very confusing card. It has four modes, and you have to pick two of them. So you can pick the first one, the second one, the first one, the third one, the first one, the fourth one, the se you know, and second one, third one, and so on. Um, <clears throat> but then there's a card in Unstable called Very Cryptic Command, which also has four that you pick two, but none of the abilities go together. And there are four versions of the card. <laughs> so, and you don't know which one. They're all So there's actually 16 abilities, but you never know which group of four you're going to get. <laughs> Uh, so that there's cards that riff on that. There's cards that that just make puns. There's a card called Slaying Mantis that it enters the battlefield from being thrown from at least three feet away, and anything it touches, it does damage to. Uh, <clears throat> and obviously, they've come out with other joke sets in the past, but I think it's it's been um, twelve years since the last joke expansion. Wow! Which, um, so it's been quite a while. And this one's just the best of the three. <laughs> you know, we've gotten... Internet memes have happened since the last expansion. Humor has accelerated so much. The magic community has, has solidified more in its in its tropes and idioms. And I think people are just... Um, they draft more nowadays than they did in 2005. And it's the perfect set to draft. It's just funny and fun. And it really took me back to sort of you know like you can't take it that serious you know like when i play i played vintage masters the other day i'm gonna i draft like a boar i mean i think it's uh, i thought it's the coolest deck but i drafted a deck with like no win conditions <laughs> and it's just this boring control deck that i'm sure my opponents loved playing against you know for 25 minutes at a time and then winning and then yeah and then yeah <laughs> so it's uh you know that's fun to me but you have to be super serious and make sure all your picks matter and da 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 versus unsets where it's like let me draft five colored nonsense every funny card and car and there's like um you you like fuse creatures together and there's like contraptions and there's this and that and the lands are beautiful it's just the most fun magic the gathering that has happened in, in a while so it just deserved it there's space. been fun magic the gathering oh i mean you know <laughs> um Hour of Devastation, which came out in 2016, was fun magic. Oh, I mean, I'm just giving you a hard yeah, time. Uh, that was fun magic. Uh, modern right now is pretty fun magic. Um, okay. But unstable for sure. As far as, like, if you know how to play magic at all, I would go down. It's not going to be able to be played for much longer because it's a limited edition release. And uh, not every store has it. But if you have the chance, go this weekend. Try it out if you know how to play it all. It's just a fun experience. It's basically like the party game version of magic the gathering which that sounds fun is really fun so, um i have anything we're missing well i've got it's not an honorable mention but kind of a point to make about what games can qualify as game of the year okay although let me start by saying i didn't put any notes together on news because i had put notes together on games for next year okay. and now all of the news articles are flooding into my brain i don't remember the country but a european country um, determined in court that loot boxes are gambling. Yes. And I would have to be regulated as such, which I thought was an excellent decision by that court. Um, I am very happy to see us being a little bit more cognizant of that and trying to do a little bit about the gaming industry because it is very bloated with opportunities for you or your children to be exploited if you have addictive personalities or are a child. Uh, it's very easy to fall into that pit. Even with something like Overwatch, which is this big AAA title, it's not some scummy game on the phone, um, you can still totally fall prey to dumping lots and lots of money into it. I'm glad to see that there is at least some reasonable legislation coming in some parts of the world that say, hang on a second, you're not selling... You are, you are selling the opportunity to gamble for a product. You are not selling a product. Um, which is an important distinction. But my big question about what can be game of the year and talking about DLC and talking about PUBG and all of these iterations, um, how about League of Legends' new season? So seriously, I mean, we look at software as a service and games as a service and yeah. how we are moving towards this model. And League of Legends, every season is an entirely new game. They change items, they change masteries, they change champion stats, they change 
things on the map different objectives on the map change the shape of the map in some small ways can change the path through the jungle jungles might get um tweaked here or there ramp sizes can change bush locations can change i mean it is essentially the release of a new game every every preseason is what it's called so we hit the preseason like a month or so ago sweeping changes to the game some of the biggest ever and new champions that come out that introduce mechanics that completely shift how the game works i mean do we count different iterations and patches of these long life games like overwatch and league of legends that you pay for once or buy a subscription to or don't pay for at all but that are popular where where do we draw the line can league of legends have game of the year in 2019 yes but the thing that the game awards have done and i've seen other sites do mm-hmm is they have best ongoing game. And Overwatch won that award. Um, Disgusting, but sure. <clears throat> so they, yes, there is a thing. But I think looking at the fusion of um, and parallels between film uh, in 2017 and games in 2017 is that you have sort of films as a service coming up with marvel cinematic universe and star wars yeah where it's like you know now especially more than now the disney owns everything it's just gonna be i was gonna say if we're drawing parallels between the film and the gaming industry are you saying disney is just gonna buy all the development studios hank hill and kingdom hearts 3 (laughs) (laughs) honestly um it's too late for kingdom hearts 3 they're how many years into the development of this game well, they keep because Disney keeps buying new things, so they have to keep I, adding new worlds. I wonder about that, but I very seriously wonder if there is a Kingdom Hearts four or what I expect to see, which is like Kingdom Hearts Online or Kingdom Hearts three point two point eight. Well, yeah, there's Death gonna be sleep. seventeen iterations <laughs> of different storylines and new characters that never existed but exist now because it's Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, but anyway, so um, games as a service. I think what we're going to see is Marvel movies and Star Wars movies will never, ever, ever, ever get nominated for anything at the Oscars. And you're just going to see that with games. Once games get once games get big enough to where it is a a set part of the majority of people's, like, entertainment, like, mental budget and monetary budget, once it becomes a big enough part of everyone's, uh, you know, daily life, then... Um, those the games that are part of everyone's daily lives are going to be the games as a service the lifestyle games the magic the gatherings on my end the league of legends on your end the runescapes of the world the former world of warcrafts of the world uh, the destinies of the world those are going to be games that will never no matter what updates or expansions or whatever that's why i said isn't it weird that you know i wanted to list a magic set as the expansion because it's like of course there's new magic sets there's four new magic sets a year at least yeah but that's just what what magic is is going to be what these most you know every studio is going to have one or a handful of these titles that they just get an update every year or multiple updates a year and but those games will eventually because they just become such a part of the uh, unspoken background of our lives just never get up nominated for awards and similar to the oscars i think game of the year will just become a i mean it already has no meaning but <laughs> it'll just be more of like a thing that critics are interested in and people like us who are like isn't the the way that the mechanics in this game are so unique and different isn't that like worth something meanwhile yeah people spend a jillion billion dollars on the new you know i mean arguably we're kind of already game. there yeah well i think we've had how many call of duty games how many assassin's creed games well that's why i think that movies copied games because games have always been doing that but games needed to do that because iteration is such a big part of game design and it isn't a part of film yeah um so it's much easier to just iterate on the mechanics that exist in this world instead of create a whole new world sure that you're gonna have as many new mistakes in as you did before yeah uh but now what they found was incidentally is that also makes a lot of money and it fits with our psychological makeup of preferring sequels and the sure thing to new ips i'm i'm super guilty of this even though i'm aware of it so i watch kind of a guilty pleasure thing because i grew up with parents that did and and i've just adopted some of the behavior i like really bad tv I like really natural. So I watch. I also have a weird personal thing where if I start a show, I have to finish it. 
And yeah, the CW is killing me with Supernatural, man. We're on like season 14. It's terrible. I still watch it. I don't watch it like every week. You know, it, it's like, oh, oh I've got 10 this... episodes built up. So. Yeah, I got 10 episodes built up. My girlfriend's gone for the day. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll just veg out and watch this show and catch up on it this one time. I'll do it again in six months. But they've got the, the DC television series on the CW. So we've got like four shows. Um that are all bad <laughs> one of them i mean it depends on your standards you know there's there's definitely something to be said for like popcorn fluff tv yeah something you can do your dishes too yeah and not and, really care if you miss anything and like of the floor <laughs> the legends of tomorrow which is an ensemble cast that is just totally and completely like gorgeous people having romantic tension and making stupid jokes and using superpowers it's fun it's fine um, but they have these giant crossover events and that's like the whole reason that you watch because it's it's all week all four shows have one contiguous story so it's like a two hour you know multiverse crossover with this big overarching plot and all of these characters having like payoff from their arcs and stuff and it's very cool but it's totally not worth like 20 episodes of generic garbage mm. in between and that's kind of how i feel about things like the marvel universe and the and the dc universe in film which i don't even bother with no know? the dc just is is like DC... dc comics are better than marvel comics that's what frustrates well, but they me. haven't but they're not owned by disney and as a real nerd <laughs> disney does disney knows how to make money yeah that really is that really is what it comes down to uh well with that said I think that's all for this week's episode. We discussed <laughs> everything from fake coffee shops in Ukraine to $13,000 computers. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and of course, get all of the news, articles, and more over at saltmedia.tv. Our theme music was provided by Jen in the Right Light. Once again, for Matt Moody, I'm Luke Ford, and this is Salt. <laughs>